Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. I just want to remind you that offering will be taken in back there. And I just want to say thank you for those who have been faithful during this journey. We're celebrating Mother's Day. And uh, hi, Bernice, sweetheart. How are you? And um, Mother's Day is a beautiful time to celebrate. Now, I shared it with you before that, of course, it's been a little bit over a year before my mom's passing. And so I have taken Mother's Day on a little bit more. My mom got flowers every single Mother's Day. I, was, I spent a lot of money over my lifetime giving flowers because I feel like, and I do this, is I believe in giving flowers while the person is. I don't really buy flowers for people when they pass. I just don't because I want to give them, them while they're living, while they can enjoy them. How many understand that? And so I said to my mom, I said, Mom, I'm not buying you no flowers when I, you know, and she said, well, you bought me so much along the years, I don't think you ought to. And I'm like, yes, Mom, yes. And I just want to say that if your mom and your dad is still with you, cherish that. Because when it's done, it's done, and you just can't have, go back and have replace. And so I, um, so just to tell you a little bit, a little fun stuff, is that so I become very good friends with my mother's girlfriend, who is 95 years old. And we really have become, I mean, it's been cool. It's been really cool. It's been a joy. And, uh, and to inspire, to strengthen, to help her, it's just been great. Um, and so I, me and Paula, sent her flowers this Mother's Day. And you know what was so beautiful is the response was just beautiful. And I say all that to say this. Don't be afraid to do these kind things to other people other than your own mom. You can always adopt a mom. You know you can do that. You can adopt a child. We'll be talking about that too. But you can adopt individuals and just make their life more sweeter by doing something sweet. Amen? Look at your name and say, are you ready for this morning's message? (laughs) Well, today we're going to talk about spiritual keys for for a mother to pass on. Spiritual keys. And at the end, all of you are going to get this beautiful key ring with keys. And the key, the main key to the key ring is that we need to pass on the most important key, the key of faith of Christ to our, to our next generation, to our children. And so we'll take a journey today. Now, I, every time I do a Mother's Day or a Father's Day uh, message, I always say this. You may have not had a very close relationship with your mom. Um, and it could be contentious. But I also say this, it's not what happens to you, it's what happens in you. And even though relationships are not what you want, you have to ask yourself, who am I going to be? How am I going to respond? And what difference am I going to make in my life, in my own relationship? Because relationships that happen over here don't define the relationships that you live. You see? And if you always look at the relationships that didn't go the way you want... That will affect you. If you're always looking in your past, you'll never have a future. So when I talk about Mother's Day or Father's Day, I always recognize that there's always contention there. Not everybody has a great um, 
story. Now, I had a great relationship with my mom, but it was a mom. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, my mom could say things to me that could cut me like a knife. And she did it often. But she loved me like crazy, and I knew that. And you see, this is relationships. Relationships are not always perfect. They have contention sometimes, and that's okay, because as long as two people learn from the contention. Can you see what I mean? Somebody say, learn from the contention. And learn to love. And so I want you to understand that not everybody has had, had a great influence. But can I tell you this, and I say this every single time, just because you have raised up your kids, or maybe you're raising your kids, listen, for those online and for those here, you can always be a mom or a dad or a grandpa or a grandmom to another child and spiritually be that to them. Be a spiritual mom. Be a spiritual dad. To me, biological is not the most important thing. Not in my eyes. It's the one who fills the role of a mom, one who fills the role of a dad. I have seen a lot of biological people with children, but they haven't been great moms and dads. And I have seen numerous of amount of people who have taken a kid and made them their own and put everything in them. And they have fulfilled the role of a mom and a dad. So I want to just encourage you that if you're done, did it. You say, I raised my kids and yeah, I can join you. And they're all grown up and big. Got it. Got the shirt. Wore it out. I get it. But you can still adopt a kid. And I want to encourage you. You see a young kid. You see any kids around the church. Whatever. Don't. Block out that you could be a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, a spiritual grandfather, or a spiritual grandmother. And those roles are so important. Someone say amen. amen. That being said, let's talk about the spiritual keys for a mom to pass on. Let's look at the first key. The first key I want to talk about is a mother's need to have a healthy self-worth. I want this is so important. And moms and ladies, young ladies... I want you to get this. Get this first part. This is huge. What does it mean to have a healthy self-worth? You see, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created him both male and female, meaning that you, young lady, you, mom, all of us have been created by God. Amen? Now, we have to understand this because sometimes we don't feel very good about ourselves. And one of the things I have noticed over the, over the small amount of time I have lived is I have noticed one key that needs to be there in motherhood and in every person, literally every believer of Christ or every person. And that is the key of a healthy self-worth. Let me show you a portion of scripture from Psalms 139 verses 1 through 6. Let's look at this for a second. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. You hem me in and behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. I, I want you to get this for a second. I want you to understand something, that if you're going to have a healthy self-worth, you have to see how God sees you, not how you see yourself. Because, Mom, if you don't see yourself the way God sees you, it will affect the way we parent. It will affect the way you live. 
And today, today, I don't care how, if your kids are up and grown, I had an 85-year-old lady sit with me in my office and bring up a situation she carried all her life and it affected her self-worth all those years. And she says, Pastor, I have never told anybody this. And I almost just said, I, I'm shocked. And I don't get shocked very much. But I said, to him, I said to the young lady, I said, listen, if you just would have tackled it over here, do you see how it could have made such a huge difference? And she said, absolutely I just didn't want to touch it. Can I ask you a question? What area that you have in your life that you don't want to touch, an area that is affecting the way you see yourself? Not the way uh, you see it, but how does God see you? You see the difference? We'll talk a little bit about let's, let's stay with me for a minute. Let's look at this portion of Scripture, but let's take it from 13 to 17, because this is so good. So you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. You see how God knows exactly where you are? Say this, God knows where I am. God knows exactly where you are with what you need. Now, I usually tell people verse 14... And I tell them all the time, and I'll go to a restaurant, and I'll talk to them, and I'll say, hey, do you know God loves you? And sometimes they say yes, and I think so, this, that, you know. I say, but no, no, the scripture says in Psalms 139, verse 14, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When God created you, he created you special. But when you look in the mirror, you need to see how God sees you and not how you see you. Some would say Amen. And so this is one of the most important things. You've got to stop allowing your surroundings to dictate what God says. You know, let me say that again. Your surrounding around you can be so loud that you don't, you don't remember what God says about you. And we pay more attention to the exterior than we do about what God's trying to say to us on the interior. So I want to talk about this key that's so precious. How many when, uh, moms, listen, I, 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 rem, I remember, oh, I was just talking to a mom and it was chaos. Okay, there was kids screaming and this and that and everything. And it was just, and I just remembered like, yeah, I remember this. I remember the scene. I remember this scene. But I miss it. I know you think I'm crazy, but I miss the noise. I used to come in and everybody's on a different instrument. One's writing a song. One's doing the drums. On the I mean, my house was so noisy. And you think, hallelujah, it's quiet. No, I miss it. I have no problem with inviting all that chaos back in. I can't. And now I see that they're starting to have chaos. I'm like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I got to tell you this real quick. It was so fun. I was just with, with the kids and, and little Silas now. He's, he's a real trooper. And little Emily was on her little tricycle and stuff. And little, uh, uh, little uh, Silas wanted to get on, but he, he flopped. Now he's only uh, uh, six years old. I mean, six month old. He's a year. So much for dad, a uh, grandpa. And uh, <laughs> anyhow, he fell down. He's hanging on to the, uh, the bicycle. And little Emily is just keep on going. And the poor kid's just on like, ah, you know. And he just got up and just brushed himself off. You know, I'm like, what a boy. You know. <laughs> Chaos, but so much fun. 
You see, God wants you and I to know that he wants you to know he's with you. He, he's got you. And that he sees us as kids. I know you see yourself mature and you see yourself all that in a bag of chips. I know. He just sees you as a kid. You know? And I don't know about you, but moms, when's the last time you looked in the mirror and said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? Where your hair's a mess, your room's a mess, makeup, the, the kid just got into makeup. You know what I mean? They just dropped a bottle of milk out of the refrigerator. Or maybe they're climbing in the refrigerator trying to reach something and everything else comes down with it. And you say, you know what? What a great day I'm having. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Doesn't happen too often, does it? But no, but that is the truth. No matter what chaos you're surrounded with, God is on your side. James Dobson has a, wo- a book, and it's called What Wives Wish Their Husbands Knew About Women. And he, this is what he stated as a fact. He said, one of the greatest causes of depression among women is low self-esteem or low self-worth. You, ladies, hear me. You are precious. You are created. And God has given you a gift to be a mom. You are most blessed. It is one of the greatest gifts to be a mom. I remember uh, an interview one day, and uh, it was happening. They were interviewing all these ladies, and this lady was a lawyer, and this lady was, you know, accountant, and this lady here was this and this. And then it came to another lady. said, what do you do for a living? And she said, I am a domestic mom. She said it was so confident. It was, and she said another word in there that made it really great. But at the bottom line, mom, that's the most important thing that you can ever do in your life is to raise up a child of God. That is one of the greatest things you can do. And one of the greatest things you can do is to pray for that child on a continuous basis because that child has no better prayer warrior than mom. You see, I want you to understand something that's really important, and that is this. That it's hard for you, mom, to function at your full, compassion, full potential when you are struggling with what you see in the mirror. Uh, what, what you see around you, looking at the chaos. And I, I want to encourage you this morning to lay a foundation, to lay this brick. This first key is to start with God, how God sees you. Because you go through seasons in life. Some seasons, man, you feel like you're on top of it all. Other seasons, you just don't feel like you're even making a difference. And that's normal. But when you have this normality of these emotions going on every side of the fence, can I just help you and remind you to get back to see what God says about you and to know that God has not left you? Though you're in a challenge, though you're in a situation that's hard, I want you to know something. God is on your side. Someone say, God is on my side. Many women struggle with accepting or receiving love of their husbands or others because they don't feel worthy or they don't deserve the love of another. This is key. You cannot love others if you don't really love yourself. A woman can't receive love from, a, from her husband or from others if she doesn't love herself. She looks into the mirror and she says, Ugh, why would anybody love this? And God is speaking with a megaphone says, Daughter, don't you know I made you? Don't you know I'm with you? Don't you know you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Don't you know that you have things in you that other people don't? And that is why you're such a gem? You see, we're so quick to criticize and critique ourselves. And all we do is find ourselves listening to what the devil wants to say versus to what God wants to say to you. So 
I want you to stop that thinking. Just say right now, stop it. <laughs> you see, so often, moms, we can focus on our faults and our failures, and, but we don't spend any time focusing on our abilities or our strength or our compassions. We don't want to focus. We don't forgive them. We, we, we focus on the negative. You've heard the saying, give a person 10 positive um, ten positive comments, and they'll enjoy it. Give them one negative, and they forget the ten. And so often we can do that. So can I just encourage you today? I want you to know to have a healthy self-worth on who you are. Because if you feel competent, you're going to convey that in everything you do. Because you know, greater is he that's in me than in the world. Yes, I can do all things with his strength. Yes, my dependence is not in my ability. My dependence is on the God in which I serve. And though I don't see it, though I don't understand it, though I'm going to trust you, Lord, I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk, and I'm going to trust. And here it goes. I'm not going to rust in you. Amen? So that's the real key that I want you to get within your heart, that a mother needs to have a real healthy Self-worth. The second key, a mother's love for God causes her to value life. This is a biggie for a pastor. Where would Moses be if it wasn't for Jochebed? You see, when you study certain people in the Bible, you see some of their characteristics and how they respond when they're under pressure. When do you get to see real character of an individual? When everything's going well or when everything's going bad? Bad. That's where you get to see the real character of a person. That's where you get to see the real integrity of the individual. It's not when things are going good. It's when things are rough. You see, here's this woman named Jochebed. And, and if you watched last Easter, I mentioned her. I did a whole thing on her last year. I want to mention her today because she played such a big part in the life of Moses. God used Jochebed to raise up a man that would change a nation. Now, do you ever think about this? Ladies, and I should say men and, and dads, have you ever think about that you could raise up a child that's going to change a nation? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever have such high expectations to say, I know this has happened, I know this has happened, I know this don't look good, I know this, but you know what, God? I know you're going to work it out. I know you're going you're gonna to do it, Lord. I know you're going to do it. I don't know when, but I know you're going to do it. And Jochebed was that one of the persons. Now, her name means glory to Jehovah, or Jehovah is my glory. That is her name. She was a woman of faith. She was a woman who exhibited faith in very difficult times. That's where faith needs to be exhibited. When you're faced with a difficult time, your faith does not take the back seat. Someone say amen. Your faith needs to rise up and to know who your God is and to really trust him. But your tough time does not mean, oh, well, God, I'm going to go tuck myself away in a little closet until it gets all better. No, that's not faith is. Every time we read someone in scriptures, you see individuals rising up in the time that's tough, in the time that's hard. They rise up and they believe God. And that's when God does great exploits. God does great exploits when we take a step of faith. You see? And so we need to continue to be there. So in Exodus we see in the beginning of Exodus 1 that Pharaoh gives an order and he says every child, male child, needs to be thrown into the Nile. But every girl may live. So here is Jechebed. Jechebed. And she has this child. Now she has this law that she has to throw her a baby in the Nile. 
we see that her name comes, we see the name of um, Aram, Moses' father, and Jechabed, Moses' mother's name. We find their names in Exodus 6. Well, let's look at Exodus 2 for a second here. I want you to look at this. Now, of the house of Levi, married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with pitch and tar. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at the distance to see what would happen to him. When Pharaoh's daughter went to the Nile to bathe, her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent for the slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying. She felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrews' babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew, Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take the baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. I I, want to get this here. Here is a mom facing these incredible situations. Mom, have you faced some incredible situations? Hardships? Things that are so difficult? Jechabed was faced with a very difficult thing. A law. Pharaoh said, you cannot have this child. You have to throw him in the Nile. Think about this. This This is really a very difficult time for her. But how many know that there's something special about mom? How many have ever seen a mama bear in action? Does anybody know when I say mama bear what that means? You know, it's sort of like a baby, uh, baby bears. You know, uh, not too long ago I watched in a video and there's some baby bears and they thought they were so cute. And look at them. And you, you see a baby bear, you, you leave that area. I don't care how cute and fuzzy Teddy looks like, you need to leave quickly. Nevertheless, they thought it was so quick and they thought, hey, we'll just go a little bit. But while that little bit takes place, Mama Bear shows up. Mama Bear don't like, and those people had a scare of their life. I'm going to tell you something. Jochebed had the spirit of a Mama Bear. And I love the spirit that she had, because here she kept the child for three months. Uh, Can you ever think about hiding a child for three months? Do you know what childs do? Huh? And you're trying to hide a child. Shh, shh, quiet, quiet. Shh, yeah. Could you imagine? After three months, she finally said, oh, we can't do this anymore. Something has to happen. Something has to happen. So could you imagine? What would you have done? What would you have done? The, between a rock and a hard place. This, moms, this is where I find something special about you moms. You, you moms, you do rock. You know why? We recognize you need a healthy self-worth. We recognize that you have to have a value for human life. But the third key that comes along with this is that a mother is creative to do whatever she needs for her kids. I have seen this over and over, man. I mean, you'll spend time on your knees like crazy when you're praying for your kids. You'll skip what you need to buy for your kids. You'll sacrifice for your kids. See, that's a natural thing that takes place. But often kids that kind of get and get taken care of, they get so used to that, they don't see the value in what 
the parents do for them. They kind of expect it. But I'll tell you what, saints, this is one thing I've seen over and over and over again. And Jechabed was a person who was creative. She was created to find a solution, a solution to the problem. And I think God kind of spoke to her heart. But she had, think about it. Well, I can't do this. Maybe, maybe, just maybe somebody will adopt him. And that's what she was looking for when she put him into the Nile. That maybe somebody would pick him up and take him as their own. See? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm adopted. (laughs) Now, I know some of you in this room are adopted. And that's one of the things I wish I would have done. We look back now and say, yeah, we should have adopted. Because I miss kids in the house. I still have kids in my house, you know? Any of you kids want to live with me? I don't know. Um. (laughs) Just kidding. Not really, but just kidding. So she was creative, and she found a way to put a kid in a basket and put him in, and hopefully he would get uh, adopted and fine and and left him in the God's hands. Now, watch what happened. Here's 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 the fourth key that's important. That Jochebed was courageous. And this is the part I want to spend a little bit of time on. Jochebed was courageous. Courageous. Now, what situation with your kids right now you need to be courageous in? What situation right now that you need to be courageous in? What area? What area that you have to really give to the Lord? You know, Jochebed had to put the baby in the basket, close the basket, and had to let it go. Out of her hands. This is huge. Listen, I told my boys when they were growing up, I said, listen, my job is to train you when you're young and then send you off. That was the whole plan. Raise them up, send them out. And I said, if you want to mess up, that mess up is on you, not on me. Because you know what you need to do. It's up to you now. I've done what I need to do. Now it's all in your court. I told them that. I don't know if they remember that, but I told them that. But I meant every word of it. The reality is we get to, to raise them at a certain point so then they become on their own, on their own. And I don't know about you, but she was courageous because she had to place the child and then let it go. And sometimes we have to let our children go. We've got to sometimes take our finger off. We sometimes have to watch this now, moms, and this is hard for you moms, and I know, let them make a mistake. I'm not asking a big mistake, but sometimes you just have to let them learn. Mistakes are not always bad. You can learn a lot from our mistakes. Someone say amen. We've learned a lot from our mistakes. And sometimes we want to do things different. There's a difference between the man mentality that God created, which is so special, unique by itself, and a mom. A mom's the nurturer. A mom's the one caring about it. The mom's like, hey, do you have clean underwear? Do you have enough to eat? Hey, man, the kitchen's over there. He knows the food is, you know? I remember, I told you this story, but I remember a lady, a mother, a sweet mother, comes knocking at my door. And I answer it, and she says to me, Mr. Corkum, Mr. Corkum, your son's 25 feet in the, high in the tree. I said, okay. Is he okay? Oh, yeah, he's okay. Did he hurt himself? No. He didn't fall? No. Okay. Well, thank you. I close the door. She pawns the door. Mrs. Mrs. Corkum, you know what I'm saying? He's 25 feet in the tree. He's really, really high. Aren't you going to do nothing? Do something? I'm like... No. I said, if he's a cat and can't get down, I'll go get him. But I said, he got himself up there. He'll get himself down. She thought I was the worst father. Until you should see her face. She was like, oh, you are terrible. You have a great day. Close the door. 
So when my son came home, I said, you've been climbing trees again, huh? I said, you're getting the neighbors all worried. He says, Dad, it wasn't that bad. I'm like, yeah, I know. Don't worry about it. Keep climbing. You see, this is just different. We're different. She was courageous, though. You see, she's the one that took initiative. It wasn't Moses' father. It was Jechabed, the mother, the mother hen. She was courageous. She was saying, there's got to be a way. And then she had to let go of that basket into the hands of the Lord. Let go. Let go. Sometimes we have to really, we try to, we try to sometimes, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And I know in every situation is different, but there's times we have to realize because she didn't know it, that she was raising up, giving God the vessel that was going to save a nation and deliver the people of Israel. Think about it. She was willing to be courageous to go against a law that said, you have to throw your child in the Nile. And she said, uh-uh, not on my watch. It's got to be another way. And that creativeness raised up this courageous spirit in her to say, you know what i got to do? I can't raise him, but maybe somebody else can. Man, I wish young ladies would learn that. They get pregnant. I wish they would just say, you know what? I can't raise a child, but I know someone else will love it and can. That's why I spent so many years on the Cornerstone Pregnancy Center. And I got to, <laughs> let's move on. Jacobad knew who her God was. And so when she let go of the basket, she was courageous, yes. But she also had a faith in the one who would take care of the one in the basket. You have to do the same thing. Think about it. I want you to understand this. The Nile, that was to be the place where Moses would die, became the place where God provided deliverance. I want you to get this. There are situations that happen in your life, in my life, that these situations happen. They were not to destroy you. They were not to hurt you. They were not to overcome you. It was to make you stronger. God is there. And even though the Nile was to be the death of Moses, God turned it around to make it a deliverance for Moses so he could go into the hands of Pharaoh. God will take the situations we go through and he'll turn it around for you because God works all things for the good. But sometimes we just got to stay in there long enough. We got to stay in there long enough. We got to trust him. There was a D.O. Moody had some people that he was very, very close to and prayed for for many, many years. And uh, they didn't come to the Lord. They didn't come to the Lord Jesus Christ during his while he was alive. But when he died, the one particular guy that was the toughest came to the Lord. Sometimes we don't get to see it, but we believe God will do it. Sometimes God knows the very heart, the very thing on your heart. Just be courageous. Be courageous. Remember, the, remember what God said to Joshua? Joshua, Be courageous. He says it two or three times. Be courageous. Jacobet was courageous. But mom, you're courageous too. You're very courageous. There are moments, we all have moments where we don't feel courageous, but that's okay. That is okay. Just go back to know who you are again and what God has said and what God has promised and take a deep breath and say, you know what, God, let's walk this thing again and start a fresh walk. Someone say fresh walk. Don't let your past experiences cause you to kill your joy and kill your faith and kill your trust, kill your hope. God wants to give you what you need. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to give you what you need.
Look at the fifth one. A mother's faith needs to be taught and demonstrated. This is huge. You know, when I was looking through Scripture, thinking, you know what, Lord? I want to get where I could see a generations carrying the generations. This is a baton. I made this just for you. We're going to run around this church, and we're going to pass the baton, and we're going to see who's going to win. No, no, just joking. <laughs> this is a baton, and how many have ever seen a baton race? This here is a group of, of runners which have to pass this baton off. They have a, what they call a transfer zone, that they have to transfer this baton into the other person's hands. It's about 20 meters route 21 yards, and they have to do this. Now, it's interesting. If this baton drops, while they're in the transition transfer zone where they, where they give the other person the baton, any one of them can pick it up and give it to the other person. If this is dropped by the runner outside the zone, the only person that can touch this is the runner. This is a very important principle here. Because we're about to read a portion of scripture that's all about this baton. Let's read it first. In a very popular portion of scripture in 2 Timothy. I have been reminded, this is Paul writing by the Spirit of God. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, talking to Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that now lives in you also. For this reason, I am reminded. I am. Uh, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a, a but of spirit of power and of love and of self discipline. You see, what so often happens is that the people who can transfer this to the next person and pass the line, they win the race. So often when people drop it, they're so upset that they drop the baton, they stop running. Because they're so upset that they did something, they, they flopped, they erred, and they just like, ah! Oh. See? But what do you need to do? If you're in the zone, then the, hopefully the other person will give it to you and say, run. What's that little movie? Run, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. What is it? Run, Forrest, run! <laughs> you see, you have to understand. But now, now listen to me. So our job is to pass it on so they can run. Our job, mom, mom, dads, listen. Your job is to pass it on so they can run. Now they start running and they're out of the zone. They're out of the zone and they drop it. You can't pick it up. The only person that can pick the baton up is the person who's running. He or she has to pick it up. Your job is to teach them that when tough times comes, they need to pick up the baton and run. Your job is to teach them that, you know, if we drop it in the midst, because, you know, sometimes when you're in that transfer zone, you're trying to teach them, it gets dropped sometimes. And sometimes you got to pick it up and got it running again. And you drop it, you know, but you're still in the zone. A zone is 18 years if we want to talk about parents, average. So the problem is, is that you and I 
need to understand that we're in a race. And today, this baton that we are got to be intentional about passing on is that we need to recognize this baton is the faith. It's not wealth. It's not houses. It's not money. You see, a lot of times that's what people focus on. What, what, what are you going to leave me in the will? No, 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 no. You know, when the disciples were in front and there was a man there that needed something, and he said, and he put it out, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. That's the baton. You see? Passing on your faith, passing on what matters, passing on so when rough times come, they have a rock. They know who a rock, who they can go to. This is what we need to pass on to. I'm going to do something right now. I'm going to, I want you to pass this on to all your brothers and sisters. I know this is, if you don't want to do it, then don't do it, but <laughs> pass it on and tell them, pass it on. You're going to have to pass it on, brother. You're going to have to pass it on, sister. <laughs> You see, we have to pass it on. We have to pass on the baton. We have to literally put it in our hands and pass it, pass it, pass it. You see, because you pass on your values for life. You pass on your, your courageous acts. You pass on your faith that you have taught. You pass on your faith that you've demonstrated. You pass on your life the way you live. You show your life as you pass it on. You don't live your life for yourself, mom and dad, and believers in Christ. You live your life You'll live your life to pass it on to someone else. It's what it's all about. Where would Moses be without Jochebed? Where would Samuel be without Hannah? Where would Timothy be without his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice? Where would the Wesley's brothers be without Susanna? You know, it's amazing. Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, the ones who, in a sense, started the Methodist Church. John really started it, and Charles actually wrote about, I think it's like 1,600 different hymns. And have gone down in history. Why? Why? What happened? Why did this one woman have such an effect? And she only had, and you probably said, well, she probably had a lot of time on her hands, not like me. No, you're probably right, because she only had 17 kids. 17 kids. Listen to this. She spent one hour each day praying for her 17 kids. One hour. Come on, you're going to pass it over. Right here. Oh, okay, okay. hold on. Hold on. Here. <laughs> we have to pass it on. You have to be intentional. You made an intentional move. Some of them cheated. <laughs> or oh, I should say, used his brain. See, see, she had 17 children. She, every day, one hour, she spent time praying for her children. But it didn't stop there. Look at this intentionality. She took each child aside for a full hour every week to talk about spiritual issues. Spiritual man. One hour, you say that mom was a super mom. No, no, she wasn't a super mom. If you would talk to her, you should say, Ooh, hey, they, 17 kids. But she was intentional. 
And she was organized. That she was organized. No wonder Charles and John made a difference. Let me tell you a story, true story. In 2016, the Olympic team, women's team, running team, was in the first track. And they were running with the baton. And the team that was going to win dropped the baton. Another country got into the lane, hit the girl while she was passing it on, and they came in last. They were disqualified. All medals are out. They're out of, they're out of the deal. They appealed it. They watched the video. They recognized that they got infringed upon. They gave them another opportunity. They met the score that they needed to, uh, needed to meet. And then finally, in the final, they won. Let me tell you something. There are times you can drop this. And you can still win. Sometimes, though, moms, you feel like and I, I, this is all of us, but today I want to talk to the moms. Moms, you feel like, you know what, I, I just don't think I'm doing a good job. You know what, I think, I think I'm a terrible mother. But you know what, who's saying that? You. You come from a slanted view. Maybe what you ought to do is remember what God says about you. And maybe you need to ask someone that you care about or cares about you, and they'll tell you the truth. And then you have to do something that's really hard. You ready? You have to receive it. You have to receive those words of encouragement. Someone could tell you the truth, but if you don't want to receive it, you'll never hear it. And so sometimes we do drop it. And if you drop it, you know what you do? It's very simple. You pick it up. Let me give you a question. What do you do when you have four kids, two guests, and both mom and dad at a table, and the kid spills his drink with the guest? As you're preparing to clean up that one mess, the other kid spills his drink. And while you're trying to just react to the second one, the other child of yours, trying to get out of the way of them getting wet, spills his drink at the table. What will you do as a parent? What would you do? you got the guest. You just had three cups of liquid all over everything. And you know how you're trying to make a good impression? Ha. So what do you do? As a father, I just spilled mine. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. I just spilled mine. And I said, let's clean it up. <laughs> and the, the guests were just looking at me like they just couldn't believe it. Neither could I. I've never had three cups Tip over. Well, mine was purpose, but four cups of a mess all over everything. Uh, and the reality is when someone, you know, so many times parents, they get so mad. And I, I, I tried to be really good about this. Don't get mad over the small stuff. When you spill, when a kid spills milk by accident, all you need is a towel. That's all you need. Go get a towel. Clean it up. When I used to break windows all the time playing hockey, I had a good slap shot. But my slap shot had a little rise to it. And at the last minute, it rise, and they goes through a neighbor's window. And, uh, and I had to pay for a lot of windows. And I broke my garage windows many times. And my dad said, you know what to do. <laughs> I know how to fix windows. I, I'm, I'm really good. Old-fashioned windows, I'm, I'm your man. <laughs> you see, 
You see, they won because they were willing not to give up. They filed an appeal and they won the appeal and they ran and they beat and they almost beat the world record when the 2016 team. You see, just because you drop it doesn't mean you're out of the game. Hello? Mom, have you ever made a mistake? Oh, yeah. Dad, have you ever made a mistake? Yeah. Talk about me. I left my kids alone by themselves three times. What kind of dad am I? A poor one. <laughs> Especially when you realize you forgot your kid, you know? Maybe I'll share that Father's Day just to encourage you dads. <laughs> you see, this is the beautiful thing about passing the baton of faith, moms. There are spiritual keys, keys, and there's just a couple keys, but the most important key is the key of faith. You've got to share it. You've got to recognize it. Psalms 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. It's a reward. Proverbs 26, 22.6 says, You know this, when train a child in the way it should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, but in order for that to take place, you have to share it. You have to live it. And one last thing I want to share with you that's so important. Why you pass on the baton. Jesus did this incredible thing with a Jewish lawyer that was trying to trick him. In Matthew chapter 22, 36, the teacher, he asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang all these two commandments. God reduced it. I want to reduce it in one way. I think it's loving God and loving your children. Pass it on. Loving your neighbor. Pass on the faith. If you don't pass it on, it's not. If you don't find churches important and you don't, you hit church, hit and miss, hit and miss, you don't, what's not important to you is going to be even less important to them. So let it be passionate with you. And then in that time as you Get them in the place where God can touch them and, and stir their hearts and change them on the inside to really know who God is. Then God will then cause a passion in their hearts. But you've got to put them in the right place. So if you're not taking things of God seriously, why would they? All statistics, says, all statistics say this, that what's not passionate in the first generation is only mediocre in the second generation. And then it says, if that. I just want to let you know something. God is with you. Can you stand to your feet? As you're standing to your feet, I want to just challenge you and those watching by online. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And, and maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and Jesus is not your Savior. Maybe... It's Mother's Day and you're watching this. God loves you. And God so much wants to help you. Just right now, right where you are, say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I no longer want to parent without you. I no want to live without you. I accept you as my Savior right now. I believe you died on the cross and you rose on the third day. And this day, I choose you. I want to serve you, love you. I want to know you. I want to be your child. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Can you give some praise to the house in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.